Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But whom say ye that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjama, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Ultimate freedom I believe is found in a revelation, a deep spiritual understanding of who Jesus Christ is. Not just who he is in general, but who he is to you personally. Would you agree with that, church? We've been on a series for a number of weeks now, and this is our 10th lesson in a series that we're simply calling Finding Freedom. Have you been enjoying this lesson? I think that there's been some rich understanding from the scriptures about the freedom that Christ paid for you and I to have. And the whole premise of the series comes from the words of Jesus. Jesus said, if you abide in my teachings, that's a big two-letter word, by the way, if, right? If. I abide, if we abide, if we live in, if we begin to digest and pull down on the inside of who we are, if we begin to live in and by those teachings of Jesus Christ, he said, you will be my disciples, you'll become my students, you'll become my followers indeed. And then he says this, here's the promise, And you shall know the truth. And the truth that you're coming to know has the power in it to make you free. Those are powerful scriptures from the Lord. And what's interesting about that text in John chapter 8 is he's talking to people who said they believe in him. Yet Jesus kind of reads their mail and says, listen, guys, I hear what you're saying, but you're enslaved. You're enslaved to sin. And if you're enslaved to sin, remember, sin is missing the mark. None of us are perfect. All of us sin. 
But he's talking about a lifestyle of being enslaved. He's talking about these invisible spiritual shackles. Listen, that even some of God's people have on and about their lives. And those shackles can range from eating too much, Lord help me, to watching things that are inappropriate for a man of God, Lord help me, to consuming things for our bodies that are not helpful but are harmful. Could be, listen, keep a straight face and don't look at anybody, okay? It could be smoking, Somebody might say, Pastor Robert, come on. Are you saying if I smoke, I'm not going to go to heaven? No, 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 no. Don't misunderstand me. But there is a general belief that maybe you'll get to heaven before me. Because smoke is not good for you. I'm just saying, right? So these shackles could just, they could be all kinds of shackles. It it could be pride. It could could be... uh, um, trying to find our identity in all kinds of stuff. It could be uh, putting other people or other things uh, before our worship to God. We could be in circles to worshiping idols. Not deities, but things, stuff, materialism before God. That's a sin. So there's all kinds of things that God's people, professors of Jesus, are enslaved to. And Jesus paid for you and I to be 100% totally free. Amen? Pastor Robert, why is that such a big deal? Why is freedom so important? We really haven't talked about that in this series, but one of the things that I could think about is this. Until you and I experience this freedom that God paid for us to have, I just don't believe that we'll ever be truly satisfied and fulfilled. And I don't believe that we'll find that lane that God has for us so that we can walk in the will of God. By the way, walking in the will of God brings fulfillment. It brings satisfaction. It brings eternal purpose and meaning to our lives. And remember, this life and everything we're experiencing here is temporary. Amen. It's temporary. This is a dress rehearsal for praise and worship, serving God for all eternity when we go to heaven. Right? So I'm I'm just saying Christians could be enslaved and Jesus wants us to be free. So that's why I think... We think that this series is very, very relevant. Listen, the Bible tells us, not Pastor Robert, not Billy Graham, not whoever your favorite minister is, the Bible tells us that we have a real enemy. And the spirit of that enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the ways that he does this so well is to keep God's people from applying the truth of the scriptures to their lives. And when we miss applying the truth of the scriptures to our lives, it opens up doors and avenues for him to come in, sometimes kind of under the radar, and he, he, he enslaves us to stuff that we didn't want to be enslaved to. It just happened, and it's harmful stuff. Not only harmful to me, but it could be harmful for my spouse or my friends or my family. And, and the enemy wants to take us captive and enslave us so that we don't find that rhythm in a relationship with the Lord. And we don't experience the fulfillment that God has for us. So my hope is, our hope as pastors and leaders at Lakeshore is that through this series, you're discovering possibly areas of your life 
where you're not as free as you'd like to be, where you're not as free as God wants you to be. And we're learning to take that to the Lord and ask Him to help us through the power of the Spirit and the Scriptures and through prayer so that we can experience more and more freedom. Amen? Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 through 19. It's going to be on the screen. Let's read it together. By this time, Jesus had been walking with His disciples for a while. His ministry isn't undercover. People are hearing about the power of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the preaching of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, the multiplying the food and the bread and the loaves and Peter walking on water. I mean, Jesus' ministry is out there now and people have all kinds of different ideas about who he is. And Jesus is talking to his disciples about this. Let's read it together starting in verse 15. Ready? Read. He said to them, but who do you say that I am. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. If you have your Bible open, let's pay attention to this text. If you have a pen or a highlighter, you might want to get it out because I want us to see some things. I want to just kind of read Matthew 16, 18, the back half, in a couple of other versions. One version says, Jesus said, the gates of the underworld won't be able to stand against it, referring to the church. Another version said, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not overcome it. The Hebrew, excuse me, the Greek word Hades, the English word Hades in Greek means the abode of the dead. It's synonymous with the term hell. Not just physically dead, but spiritually dead first and foremost. And this word gates, it's describing a large gate in a wall, in a city wall, or in a palace, or in a temple, or in a castle. A large gate. Not the little gate that I open up into my walkway when I go into my house. No, no, this is a large gate, okay? And in order to better understand what Jesus is saying here, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church I want us to understand this a little bit. So I want us to know that the two main reasons that city gates were important and carried significance in biblical times were first because city gates provided protection against invaders. These big city gates would provide protection. Secondly, these gates represented power and strength of the king that kingdom, or that city. And that means that to conquer the gates of one's enemies was to overpower and actually conquer and take control of that city. 
Think about that in the context in which Jesus is saying, the gates of hell shall not prevail or win against the church. Got to keep in mind, the church is not necessarily this building. It's not Lakeshore. The church is made up of individuals that have been called out, that have been summoned. The Greek word ekklesia. You've been called out from the world and you've been assembled to worship and to serve God. That's the church. And he's saying the gates of hell will not win, will not prevail against the church. That means for us, we need to have this spiritual backbone and declare open the gates. Open the gates. So the title of today's message is Open the Gates. And here's the subtitle, Overcoming the Gates of Hell. Overcoming the Gates of Hell. We need to recognize that standing up to and standing against and overcoming the kingdom of darkness and the gates of hell is part of our inheritance as believers in Christ. And by the way, we see that started way back in the blessing that God pronounced over Abraham. I want to show it to you in Genesis twenty-two seventeen. God is speaking to Abraham. By the way, Abraham is the father of our faith. If you're a, if you're a Christian... You're a seed of Abraham in Christ Jesus. It says in Genesis 22:17, 17, God speaking, Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. Listen. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. And your descendants, by the way, did you know that you're descendants of Abraham? Somebody say amen. I don't mean physically, but spiritually through the lineage all the way down to Jesus Christ, you're a descendant of Father Abraham. Notice what he says. Your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. The word possess means to inherit, to seize, to occupy, and to conquer. Somebody say conquer. In the Old Testament... God promised his people upon setting them free a promised land. Does anybody remember that? He promised them a promised land. But that promised land had enemies sitting on it. It was occupied by an enemy that had what God said belonged to God's people. Well, listen... In some respects, it's like that for you and I today. God has set us free in Christ, and now we are in the promised land, so we have to storm the gates of the enemy, and we have to learn to take what God says belongs to us. Can you say amen? There are blessings for you from God that the devil is sitting on, and he will not give them up without a fight, and he will not give them up unless you take them from him. And we need to understand this. He's not just going to roll over and let you take everything that God has for you. And by the way, let me just say this, just because it's God's will, it doesn't mean it will automatically happen for you. It will take faith, and it will take fighting. Provision, peace, peace of mind, freedom from addictions, 
a family that serves the Lord, dreams, goals, maybe a godly wife, maybe a godly husband. Can somebody say amen? Some, some might, by the way, that doesn't mean that you're not married. Maybe somebody's married and doesn't have a godly wife or a godly husband. That's a blessing the Lord wants you to have. Some might be thinking, Pastor Robert, does, does God really care about all that stuff? Yes, He does. God's heart is for you and I to walk in His blessing. God's heart is for you and I to overcome the enemy. God's heart is for you and I to overcome the gates, the power, the strength, the plan, the strategies, the schemings of hell. If you study the Scriptures... At the city gates, wisdom was given. Laws were passed. Legal decisions were made. Announcements were made. Uh, kings were honored at city gates. City gates carry significance. So, so Jesus is saying, listen, I'm going to build my church. And the power and the strength and the plans and the schemes of the kingdom of darkness and the gates of hell shall not, will not, overcome, will not win, will not prevail against the church that I am building. Can somebody say amen? You're the church, church. Individually and collectively, we are the church. So Pastor Robert, how do I overcome the gates of hell? I want to give us three keys that I believe are found right here in Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 through 19. Look at verse 17 again, the back half. Jesus says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Somebody say revealed. Now, this is powerful. Jesus actually changes the name of Simon. Does anybody know what he changes his name to here? To Peter, right? Peter, a small rock. He said, your name is no longer Simon. Your name now is Peter. It's a, it's a spiritual rock. And what's interesting about this text, it, Jesus didn't change Peter or Simon's name just, just because he had this revelation of who he was, but he changed his name because of how he had this revelation of who he was. Notice Jesus said, flesh and blood, humanity did not reveal this to you, Peter. You didn't get this through academics. You didn't get this by being really smart. You didn't get this from a Bible teacher or a preacher of the day. No, my Father in heaven revealed this to you. He spoke to you directly. Think about this. Peter had done some stuff by this time. Peter walked on water. Peter cut off a, a guard's ear. Peter was brave enough to call fire from heaven. Peter was willing to say, I'll die for you later. He, Peter was bold. Peter was strong. He had done some things, but Jesus never changed his name in any of that. He changed his name when Peter got a revelation of who Jesus really was. This word revealed it's this Greek word. You've heard me share it before. It's powerful to understand this. Apocalypto. Apocalypto. Say it with me, church. Come on. Apocalypto. The first part of the word apo means off. Like taking something off. 
The second part of the word, kalupto, it means to cover, to hide, or to veil. To cover, to hide, or to veil. Revealed, apakalupto, means to uncover, to lay open, or to lay bare what has been veiled or covered up previously. And so somehow, the Father, by the Spirit, communicated with Peter to his spirit, and all of a sudden, Peter realized, you are the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Anointed One, the One who carries the burden-removing, yoke-destroying, saving power of God in his life sent from heaven. Peter caught that from the Father. All kinds of opinions about who Jesus was. John the Baptist, Elijah, this person, that person. Did you know it's possible to know who Jesus is, but not know who Jesus is to you personally? And Peter caught it. You are the Christ. That's a title. The anointed one from heaven. The Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. Here's your first key. I must have a revelation of who Christ is. Now, the notebook that you have, part three of Finding Freedom, isn't going to have that in there. Pastor Gill and the rest of the team looked at this particular set of notes, and we just felt like we're going to have a little more flex here. We're going to share a little bit more. So if you're taking notes... If you're paying attention to your workbook, that point is not in there. But we all agreed, is it? I apologize. One of them's not in there. I can guarantee you that because the book only has two points and I'm sharing three. Okay? So I'm glad we're on the same page. First point is, I must have a revelation of who Christ is. It's possible, listen, it's possible to come to church, to serve on a team, to give tithe and offering. It's possible to be a member of a good church, a growing church. It's possible to be a Christian and not catch a personal revelation of who Christ is to you beyond just your Savior. Don't get me wrong. That's important. Got to know that. But he's so much more. He's so much more. He wants to be so much more than just our Savior so we can have a ticket to go to heaven. He wants us to learn how to do life with Him while we're here. It's possible that some of you are pressing into God. You're reading your Scriptures. You're praying. You're doing word studies. You're talking with other believers in a connect group. You're talking things through. You're chewing on the Word. You're chewing on Scripture. You're praying for each other. You're memorizing the Word. Anybody memorizing some Scripture? It's possible that you're declaring the word over your life and praying. It's possible that some of you, you're getting revelation and revelation and revelation. The Holy Spirit is uncovering, uncovering, revealing, just unveiling more and more and more of who Jesus is. That's awesome. We want that. We just keep pushing into that. And it's also possible that some of us aren't getting any of that. It's possible that some of us are just kind of, we're just kind of coasting on the revelation we had 10 years ago. Dare I say, 15 years ago. Maybe 25 years ago. 
Man, Jesus wants to give you some fresh revelation of who he is today. Amen? Tomorrow morning, fresh manna, a daily dose of who Jesus is for your life. Let me just give you an example. I've talked about this. There's so many examples. But this was a big deal for us. You know, we were freshly married a couple of years. I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but we got in trouble, capital T, with money. You got to know how to handle money. Money could jack you up if you don't know how to handle it. We got in debt, $50,000. That was a lot of money. That is a lot of money. I mean, gee whiz, credit cards and car payments and IRS. I don't like the IRS unless they send me a refund. Amen? I mean, just bills. And, and Yolanda was crying over the bills and creditors calling and BMW with heated seats getting repossessed. And that was her car and it broke her heart. Just trouble, 50 grand, I don't know. Everywhere I look for advice, everybody's saying, oh, just file bankruptcy. That'll take care of it. You could do it, BK. Burger King? You know, I like food, BK, Burger King? No, not BK, Burger King. Bankruptcy, bro. You need to file bankruptcy. Because there was no natural way for us to pay that. I mean, I wasn't making that much money. She wasn't making that kind of money. Seven months after we got married, her business shut down. I mean, I was, we were barely making it. Didn't have enough to pay taxes. Just bad, 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 bad. I was desperate. My pain pointed me to Jesus. And I would get up early. Before everybody else was up, I was up. Four o'clock, five o'clock, and I'm praying. And I'm searching the scripture. And I'm looking for revelation. I'm looking for help. I'm looking for Jesus. Everybody's saying, just file bankruptcy. And I come across this story in Genesis where Abraham is taking his son Isaac to offer him as a sacrifice, as a burnt offering in obedience to God to just let God know that I'm willing to give up the son that you gave me. I'm willing to give him up and burn him for you, God. I'm willing to do it. And the Bible says that his son Isaac packed up the wood and the fire, and they were going to go worship him and his dad to the mountain. And his son says, Dad, we got everything for the sacrifice, but where's the sacrifice? And he was it. And he didn't know. And Abraham didn't tell him at that moment. They just kept walking. Listen to the faith of Abraham. He tells his guys, me and my son are going to go worship, and we'll be back when we're done. And he knew he was going to sacrifice his son. And the Bible tells us that Abraham got up there and he put his son Isaac down on the altar. He bound him. The sticks were in place or whatever he was going to use to burn him to sacrifice his son to the Lord. And all this time, while they were walking up one side of the mountain, on the other side of the mountain, God sent a ram. And he's walking up on the other side of the mountain. And just before Abraham's ready to sacrifice his son, he looks up and he sees the ram caught in the bushes. And the angel of the Lord tells him, don't sacrifice your son. Do him no harm. Because now I know, Abraham, that you love me. 
Now I know, Abraham, that you're going to live for me. And Abraham untied his son, and he went over and he got that ram. And the ram is symbolic of our ultimate sacrifice, Jesus. And he sacrificed that ram to God. And he named that place Jehovah Yerah. The Lord will provide. And God spoke to me. God revealed Jesus to me. He was beyond just my Savior. He was my provider. He was the one who would make a way to pay off the debt when there was no way. And I didn't get a second job. And I didn't file bankruptcy. And we worked hard to manage our finances. And we worked hard to put God first. And we worked hard to save. And we worked hard to pay off our debt. And we worked as a team to get beyond that. And little by little by little, it took a few years. But we didn't file bankruptcy. We looked to Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And Jesus revealed himself to me in a way that was personal. And he delivered me. And he got us free financially. And it's been better ever since. We're freer now financially than we've ever been. We've got six months saved up just in case. We've got money in savings account. We're working on our retirement account. Very, very, very little debt. Just our houses. Pastor Robert, what are you saying? I'm saying... If you're going to overcome the gates of hell, if you're going to step into what God has for you, you're going to need a personal revelation of who Jesus is. And as he reveals himself to you, you're going to experience more and more freedom and more and more of what God has for you. One of the ways that Jesus is anointed, listen, is as a prophet, a priest, and a king. Now listen, a prophet speaks on behalf of God. What does that mean for you? If you allow him to be your prophet today, he'll speak to you and he'll show you the way. You'll hear him. He'll whisper. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you direction. He'll tell you of things to come. Another way that he is anointed is as your great high priest. He offered himself as a living sacrifice to make a living way so that you and I can enjoy a constant, abiding, daily, 24-hour, ever-present help of the presence of Jesus. He's your high priest. He made a way. You can go to him any time of the day, any time of the night. And another way is your king. He's anointed as your king. Your king who's ready to go to battle with you and for you. Can you say amen? It's so powerful when you begin to see Jesus for all that he is. I don't know him yet completely. I don't think any of us will until we stand before him in the city. But he is the anointed one from heaven. 
This leads us to the second point. Here, here we go. You ready? Second point. Hard times will come. Why is that an important key? I, I, don't, I don't want to hear about hard times. None of us do. But all of us know we've either been through hard times, some of us are going through hard times, and you know, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but it's very likely that at some point you may go through hard times, right? Hard times will come. And if we want to overcome the gates of hell, the power of hell, we have to know hard times will come. Listen to what Jesus said, Matthew 16, 18, the back half. He said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell, listen, shall not prevail against it. What does prevail mean? Come on, you know it. What does it mean, prevail? Succeed, overcome, what else? Win, conquer, be victorious. So if Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail, what he was saying is that they're going to try to prevail. They're going to try to overcome. They're going to come against you. Hades or hell and all its planning schemes and power will try to prevail and block the blessing from your life and keep you from walking in freedom. See, building an overcoming life is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And part of the process is us realizing that hard times will come. Notice what it says in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 in the Amplified. The brother James says, Consider nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking nothing. Come on, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Not a lot of us in here, so let's be honest, okay? Can't hide by, by, by hiding the truth. How many of you have ever been through hard times? Miss your hands. Everybody. Everybody been through hard times. Right? We've all been through hard times. How do we get out of hard times? We get out of hard times by looking to Jesus, by looking to God, by hanging in there, by having some spiritual backbone and making the decision that no matter what happens, Jesus is victorious. I'm going to go the way of Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said in John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world you will have tribulation and distress and suffering. But be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished and my victory is abiding. Can somebody say amen? So Jesus is our mighty conqueror. He is our victorious king. He's overcome the world. Because he's overcome the world, we can overcome the gates of hell. We can overcome the power of hell. The devil wants you to give up and give in. Jesus wants you to keep pushing forward. Jesus wants you to keep endurance going. Jesus wants you to recognize that hard times will come, but he is the conqueror of hard times. I love what Andrew said this morning during worship. You know, 
The goodness of God doesn't mean that everything's good in my life. It doesn't mean life is a bowl of cherries. It doesn't mean everything's worked out. It doesn't mean I got everything I want. It doesn't mean I got the 30-foot travel trailer and the 2001 Jeep Grand Cherokee Laredo. I got a used car, 16 years old. I got a small trailer. It doesn't mean that Yolanda and I have everything that we had our hearts set on when we got married. Some of the things that we experienced that we had our hearts set on crushed us, broke us. And the enemy wanted nothing more than to just have us give up, give in, throw in the towel. Hard times will come. But the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Amen. You are the church. God's church is going to continue. God's church is going to prevail. My suggestion is stay connected. You're part of the church and you'll prevail too. Amen. Okay, so I must personally have a revelation of Jesus. That's the first key if I want to overcome the gates of hell. Second, I must accept that hard times will come. Here's the third key real quick to overcoming the gates of hell. During hard times, I must lean on what I know is true. I must lean on what I know is true. This is important. It sounds like, gee, Robert, that's automatic. You, I know that. That's obvious. Do you know how many times Christians forget to do that? Forget to lean on what they know is true? God's word is true. Everything else is a lie. God is faithful. And sometimes we're in the middle of battle. The enemy's coming against us. I don't know why it happens, but at times we can just forget what's true and we go with popular opinion. We go with what our friends think. We go with what CNN thinks. We go with Oprah. We go with CNN, the news. We forget. We got to lean on the truth. I love Proverbs. Proverbs 3, I think, 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And what's the promise? He will, He will, He will undoubtedly direct your paths. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We have to lean on what we know it's true. God is faithful. Jesus is victorious. He's my prophet. He's my priest. He's my king. He's my provider. He's my savior. He's my deliverer. He's my healer. He's my overcomer. He's my provider. Everything I need is centered in Jesus. And we have to stay. Pastor Robert, what, what about when it doesn't look like it's working? Lean on what you know is true. What happens when I don't have enough money in the bank? Lean on what you know is true. What happens when my marriage feels like it's on the rock? Lean on what you know is true. You have to make a decision. Okay, this is a hard time. What do I do? I have to lean on what I know is true. We don't always get what we want, and we don't always want what we get. But we can lean on what we know is true. Listen to Matthew 16, 18. The voice, the voice version Bible. Listen to this. This is why I've called you Peter, rock. For on this rock, I will build my church. Listen, the church will reign triumphant even at the gates of hell. The church will reign triumphant even at the gates 
of hell. 1 John 5, 4, everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world. Our continuing, persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. But then lean on what we know is again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.